Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. You got that tape going there, Patrick. Thank you. John chapter 10. You know, you've heard me express this before that John, one of the apostles, had a very special relationship with Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have friends and then you've got friends. And if if you have one or two friends in your life, you are fortunate. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? That kind of friend is somebody that will receive your secrets and keep them to their self. You can tell them almost anything. And that's the reason that John called himself the beloved disciple. Jesus loved him in a special way and he knew it. Now that it doesn't mean he was shutting the others out. It just means that John had an affinity for obeying his God and for loving his God's Son. Amen? This kind of this story kind of reminds me of where we are in the world today. Right above chapter 10 in my Bible, it says the Good Shepherd. You know, a lot of times in counseling, and men, you need to listen to me carefully. In marriage counseling, a lot of times, men fail to realize some things about their wife and their marriage. They do realize that they get to be the king of their house. Oh, they love that, don't they, ladies? But you know, there's good kings and there's bad kings. Good kings, bad kings. Now, in some of my counseling, I have drawn a picture for some men about the difference between sheep and pigs. Now, we in the Bible are called sheep. God called you a sheep. Sheep are gentle. They're a lot of fun sometimes to be around. They're kicking their heels up out out in the field. They wouldn't hurt you for, for the world. Sheep. Now, pigs, on the other hand, they got a mind of their own. We've got two dogs at our house. Love, we love them both. But the little littlest dog is the oldest, and he's got a mind of his own. And he kind of snipped at me the other day and kind of nipped my arm because I, I was trying to get him to go outside and go potty. And you know, sometimes he doesn't like what we ask him. Sometimes I have to get his collar and drag him to the door. The other dog, you can just point at the door. Boy, he's over there. He minds but we still love them both. But there's a thing that's real different between pigs and sheep. Pigs have to be driven. If you're out in the field, you're trying to get them to the corral, and you want them in there, you're going to have to drive them. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to use a little, maybe a big stick. Sheep aren't driven, they're led. That's why normally the, uh, the flock of sheep, you'll find the shepherd in the front. Amen? So I tell husbands, are you treating your wife like a pig or a sheep? 
You want, you're the head of your home. You want her and all the kids to come into divine order. That's your job. But you remember I told you there's three things about a man you want to always watch for. The man or woman themselves. What kind of person are they? What kind of person are you men? Following me? Number two, what is your message? Now, most of the time we get the first two right. We, we got it pretty close. But listen to number three. It's the most important one of all. You've got the man himself, his message, and number three, his method. How are you trying to bring your wife and your children into correct order with the Lord? Are you driving them like pigs? That means you yelling, screaming, hitting, losing your temper? Or are you leading your wife and kids to say, Honey, come with me and I'll go, I'll go first. Right? I'll go first. God, as He sent His Son to us, His Son revealed His love for us by leading us. He also went to the cross. They didn't kill him. He gave his life. Matthew 27, verse 50, he gave up the ghost and he died. He showed the way. And the way is love. Love. Everybody say love. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Hey, somebody cheated and looked at your wife. Look at somebody that you're not related to and say, I love you. Yeah, turn around. I love you. <laughs> Now, men, I didn't bring that up to condemn you, but I brought that up to hopefully get a hold of you to correctly lead your family. A lot of men love the power they get. The Bible does say, wives, submit yourself to your own husband. That means you don't have to submit to somebody else's husband, but you've got to submit yourself to your husband. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands. Then he tells you how to do it. As unto the Lord. But, husbands, yours is even harder. Husbands, love your wife. That's all she wants. And then he tells you how to do it. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life. Men, are you giving your life for your wife? Are you loving her like that? You need to examine yourself. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life. Men, your wife is a gift that God gave you. And as I just said, the only thing she wants is to be loved, honored, and cherished. And if you'll do that, she'll give you everything. In fact, she already did. She was so trusting that she marched up to the altar and made vows, said she'd stay with you so long as you both shall live. She'd be faithful to you. But then she carried out the greatest gift of all. She gave up everything. She gave up her identity. She gave up her last name, and she took yours. There's not a man in here who would do that. Nobody. But women do it. Women do it. Why? Because they love you. And they're trusting that if they give you that kind of gift, they're trusting that you're going to love them, honor them, and cherish them. You become, men, when you love your wife like that, you become protective of her. You don't even allow your kids, if you love her like that, you don't allow your kids to speak in a horrible way to your wife. That's my wife. I don't allow anybody to speak to her in a bad way. You do that to Liz, you're going to be in bad trouble. You never have to worry about that much because she knows how to love people. 
Our, our phone never stops ringing at the house at night. It's never for me. <laughs> They're always calling her. wonder why that is. Men, your wife is a gift. And men, you are a shepherd. Now, let's look at John chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. What does all that mean? It means you've got to do it God's way, not your way. And let me tell you something. We live, and I mentioned this in Ray Trivett's memorial yesterday, we live in a society of universalism. That means there are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of different religions out there all claiming the same thing. Oh, you come join us, and we'll lead you to the real true God. Be sure you give us your money. Even, even in Christianity, we have hundreds of different denominations. And a guy came to my office one day and he said, I think God did that on purpose so we could all get to heaven in our own way. That's why we've got all these Baptists, charismatics, or charismaniacs as we're called. Um, I wonder if that's true. Did God create all these different religions and denominations so that we could all get there our own way? Now listen to this. This is 1 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians 1.10. Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's pretty plain, isn't it? That there be no divisions among you. It wasn't God's idea to flake off in the church. You have the Protestants over here and the Catholics over here, and then suddenly the Protestants begin to split off into the Baptists and, and, and the Lutherans, and, and on and on and on it goes. And by, you know, while all that was going on, suddenly all of these religions from overseas began to invade our shores. The Buddhists, the Hindus, ah, and the Muslims. Islam one of the youngest religions on the face of the earth. And today, one of the, maybe close to one of the fastest growing religions, Islam. It was, it was founded in 600 A.D. Judaism goes back thousands of years. Are you listening to me? And then in the midst of our Christianity, we've got Mormons. And they're the they're the most loving, cleanest, kindest, wonderful people in the world, but they're also deceived. When one man steps up that's not Jesus and declares to you that he's got the answer to everything, you need to be very careful. That happened in Waco, Texas in 1993 when David Koresh who was, uh, I don't know what religion he was in, I think it, it, I'll think of it in a minute, but he got a bunch of people at a farmhouse out in the, out in the country, and the, he, he told them, he said, God's given me a revelation. It's different than all the other revelations that you've heard, but I have the truth, the real truth, and if you're smart, you'll follow me, because if you don't, there's a big chance you're going to go to hell. Now, these, these people bought it hook, line, and sinker. They had church every night. Had a big room in the center of this big farmhouse. They all met in there every night. One day he came in and said, God's given me a revelation. He's told me to tell you to stop reading your Bible. If you have a question about the Word, you come and ask me and I'll tell you what it means. 
Then one day he came in and said, I've got a big revelation, folks. God visited me in the night last night and told me that I was the second coming of Christ. And God put me here. Listen, here's what he told him. God put me here to repopulate the earth with his children. And so men, I'm telling you to stop having uh, physical relations with your wives. Uh, I'll take care of that from now on. Because, oh yes, this is what he told them. Now, you, I know what some of you are thinking. How could anybody buy that? But they did. They bought it to the point that when uh, the ATF went out there one day to see the, the reports, they had a lot of illegal weapons and stuff, and they went out there, and David Koresh's people just went nuts. They grabbed their, own, their guns and started shooting. They killed a guy, and, and then, then it was on. It was on. And at the end, uh, we sent in some troops. There was shooting. The house was set on fire. David Koresh was wounded. He stayed in the house and died in the fire. And so did almost everybody else. There's a few of them that, that escaped. Now, everybody look at me. If I ever come in here and tell you that God's given me that kind of revelation, I want you to get your stuff and don't walk. Run to that door and get out of this building. And don't you ever come back. Because if I ever do that, I, you can bet on this. I have been deceived. Now we love prophecy. We had one here this morning. But that's one of the reasons you have to be so careful with prophecies. There's rules. And uh, some people in the charismatic circles have, have gotten caught up in the mismanagement of the gifts that they feel like they have. And, and let, me, let me tell you something. God spoke to me one day. He said, John, I get all the glory. You get none. I was at a Bible study one night, and we were standing in a circle, and there was a woman over there on the other side of the circle crying, and God gave me a word for her. And I started giving it to her. Oh, she began to cry more, so I gave her more word. She cried more, and I gave her more. And after the meeting was over, she came up and hugged me and thanked me and all that. So it was time to go, and I, I went out the door, headed for my car, and God was walking with me. He got in the car with me. Oh, yeah? You know what he said? He said, John, I gave you the first sentence of that word. You made the rest of it up. That's what he said. I said, but God, it was going so well and she was getting blessed and crying and she was getting delivered from, from whatever her problem was and I just feel like I needed to help a little bit. Yeah, well, God doesn't need your help. And you know what God said to me? He said, from this day for one year, you will not prophesy for one year. And here's what, I didn't say nothing, but here's what I thought. By the way, he can read your mind. And I said, I thought in my mind, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. And I'd go to that meeting the next week, and here we go. We're standing in the circle. There's that same woman crying again. And so I'm ready. <gasps> Nothing. That happened 10, 12 times. Nothing. Nothing. I couldn't get anything out of my mouth. Nothing. And then... The year went by. On the way to that Bible study, God was in the car and he said, John, what have you learned? And I started weeping. I said, Lord, I've learned that you get the glory. All of it. I get none. I'm just an instrument. That night, I gave a prophetic word to someone in, in that group. They were blessed. I was careful only to say what God gave me and nothing more. I was in Mexico, in Juarez. We were at a storefront building. 
there were a couple of, uh, they weren't charismatic, they were very Pentecostal. A man and his wife, boy, they were wild. Anyway, I don't even know how we got there, but we went over there, and all these people from Mexico were in there, big crowd. And uh, so it got time at the end of the service to pray for them. And this young girl, she couldn't have been more than 14. She was this pregnant. This way she walked. She got up. Now, the, the floor was concrete. It didn't even have tile on it, no carpet. She came up and stood in front of me, and she went down on her knees. I couldn't believe it. And she began to weep. And I, I went over there. Now, this is the first time this ever happened to me. I went over there and I put my hand on her head. And this, the only way I can describe it is I literally felt a power come down my arm and right into her head. And she fell over on the floor slain in the spirit. God was setting me up to see what I was going to do. You know what I did? I didn't care about her. When she fell, everybody in the crowd went, oh, look at that way. You know what I did? I turned to my right and I said, now who can I slay in the spirit? Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, that's what I did. Oh, John, how many times are we going to have to go through this before you learn? How many times are you going to have to go through this? Now, everybody look at me. God wants to use you but he wants you to be careful. He wants you to stay in order. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. There are people, uh, and by the way, uh, we've already had a couple through the last 10 years, but there'd be people that'll come into this building and I've never seen them before. The Bible says, know those who labor among you. I've had people walk through that door and say, uh, you need to let me preach today. I've never met them in my life. I said, well, who are you? Well, I'm Joe Blow, you know, just got to town and and uh, the Lord's having me go all over the world and, and I have a word that God's given me, just me, and I'm supposed to share it wherever I go and you need to let me in your pulpit. And you know what I always say? It ain't going to happen. I don't know you and you're not getting in my pulpit. Now, if you want to come here and go to church here, and get yourself lined up in the church and start loving the people and we'll watch you and we'll watch the fruit of your labors and then whenever God says, okay, he's proven himself, you can let him, then I'll do it. But until then, and you know what they always do? They disappear. They disappear. I had a guy, we were on the, in the church down on the church street as an African-American man, he was about seven foot two. <laughs> Guy was huge. I was taking the offering, and, and he he was on the right on the last chair, and he, he would look out and he'd go, and I'm looking down there and I'm going, I, I don't know, I thought, we well, are we waving at each other? What are we doing? So while they were passing the baskets, I, I, I waved him up. He came up, I said, how can I help you? You need to let me preach. That ain't going to happen. You need to let me preach. You know what I did? And I'm not a small man myself. I stuck my finger right in his face and I said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, now go sit down. You know what he did? I thought he was going to hit me, but he didn't. He turned around and went right back to his seat and sat down. After the service was over, he followed me back in the back room. Why didn't you let me preach? I said, because I don't know you. Oh, he never came back either. Are you all following me? There's, there is a, a rule here about shepherds and sheep that you've got to get a hold of. Some of you in here may be called to be a shepherd. Now, when I, my ministry first began, I was called to be an evangelist. Oh, I love that. I could go to a, a, a church, uh, do a meeting, and get my offering, and leave town. I didn't have to get involved with you or your mother or anybody else. 
But you know what happened after 20 years of that and traveling all over the world? Uh, I began to notice something different. I began to notice God was giving me a special driving love for his sheep. I didn't ever have that before. I began to recognize that I was caring about you and what you were going through. I was concerned for you. I didn't want to leave you. One day the Lord said, well, dummy, it's because I'm changing your calling. You are called now to be a pastor. Now let me tell you something about pastors. We've got pastors all over America, and most of them aren't. You know what I'm talking about. Most, a lot, not most. A lot of them have unlisted phone numbers. You can't find them. If you're at the hospital, you can't get a hold of them. One guy, one pastor down in San Antonio said, we're a big church and I got 30 associate pastors. If you're at the hospital, call one of them. I'm called to come here and preach. Well, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I just go and preach and get my check and I don't have to go. I get phone calls at 3 o'clock in the morning to go to the hospital. A lot of people don't want that kind of thing going on. They don't, they don't want that much responsibility. Listen to me. It's not convenient to be in any ministry, but it's really not convenient to be a, a shepherd. It's not. Where did I, where did I leave off? <laughs> Look at verse... But look at verse 2. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. In other words, he that, he that does it the right way, he that obeys the voice of the Lord, he that obeys the word is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, ahead of them, and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Isn't that good? And a, a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him for they know not the voice of strangers. This, you know, during all this heat wave, we've left our two dogs in the house and uh, when I get out of my Jeep, I slam the door and boy, you can hear it already in the house. <laughs> So they run to the window and they look out there and when they see me, I'm their shepherd. Now, if, if, if you came to the house, they'd bark, but it would be a little bit different. If you, if you went to the door and you had a key and you opened it and they didn't know who you were, you might get bit. And we had an Airedale. He's, he's with Jesus now. <laughs> but I guarantee you, if you jumped the fence in our backyard and we weren't there, you were going to get bit. He was a great dog. He loved children. He loved people. But he was a protector of his family. Amen? A real shepherd will die for his sheep. Yeah, I'll die for you. This parable, verse 6, spoke Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were they were which he spoke unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. You know, the supernatural things that Jesus did were so powerful. He told one of the disciples one day, listen to this, who said, how can we know, this is the doubting Thomas, how can we know that you're the way? Or how, how do we know that? And Jesus looked at him and said, these very famous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father unless he comes through me. Do you understand that Jesus forces you to make a decision? 
He forces you to make a decision. It's either Jesus or it's not. And you know what? Of all the religions out there, this is the easiest one to get tapped into and to get to heaven. All you got to do is say yes. Yes, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you shed your blood. Father, I repent of my sins. Thank you. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. In Jesus' name, it's done. If you meant that in your heart, you're saved. These other religions, these other doors into the supposed sheep pen, they're going to require you to get your hair, ladies, get your hair cut a certain way. Throw away all your jewelry and your makeup. Oh, ladies, no more pants for you. You got to wear dresses every time you come to church. You got to wear your hair long and you got to put it up in a bun on top of your head when you go to church. Are you listening? Jesus says, just say yes. What a powerful God we have, isn't he? Isn't it, isn't it wonderful that he loves you that much? I asked God one day, I said, Lord, you know all about me. You know everything I've done. You know the bad stuff. Why do you love me? And you know what he said? Because I want to. He makes a decision that he wants to love you even knowing all the dirty things you've done. He loves you, right? He knows all about you, and He loves you. And here's the thing about Him. He won't ever change His mind. Now, you might change your mind, and you might run. There's a, there's a teaching that says, once saved, always saved. And I, you know, i got to tell you, I mean, if you're a Christian one day and you decide, well, I think I made a mistake. I think, I think Islam would be better. And you turn your back on Christianity and you go with Islam. Are you still saved? I don't think so. Uh, people that teach that doctrine don't seem to realize the gravity. You, you, every day of your life, you hold in your hand your own salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling every day of your life every day of your life but you just have to say yes everybody say yes and verse 10 the thief cometh not but for to steal to kill and to destroy I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. How many of you know there's a devil? And let me tell you something. He's a driver of the pigs. Oh, in the beginning, Satan will tell you all kinds of wonderful things about why you should follow him. And you know what the number one hook is that he uses? It's called power. If you follow after me, I will give you more power than you ever dreamed of in your life. Let me tell you something, particularly with young people, that is such a draw you can't even imagine. These young people today, the thought of them having power over somebody else, they dig it, man. They dig it. And so they go with Satan. They get hooked up in a coven, a group of witches, or whatever it is they do. And the next thing you know, they're hooked up. Then the devil shows up at their house one day and says, okay, I've given you what you want. Now you're going to give me what I want. What's that? I want you to steal rob, kill, and destroy. I want you to prophesy and tell people things, but I want you to tell them things that will destroy their lives. And I want you to call me master. What happened to Satan? His name was Lucifer, son of the morning. He was in charge of all the praise and worship in heaven. Even parts that scholars believe parts of his body appeared to look like musical instruments. He was the most powerful thing that God ever created. He had it all, man, except for one thing. He wasn't God. And he wasn't going to be satisfied until he was God. And in his foolishness, he thought that God could be killed or at least put away somewhere where Satan could take over. Now, he's not stupid. He's read this book. 
He knows what the outcome is. What's his outcome? He's going to a place called the lake of fire. A lot of people don't understand this. They talk about hell, and that's true. There is a hell. Hell is a holding place for those that don't know the Lord. But when, when it's all wrapped up, hell and death and Satan and all those demons that used to be angels, all of that will be thrown into the lake of fire. Now I want you to close your eyes and imagine, maybe you're in the center of the earth and you're in a molten lake of lava and you're just bobbing around like a cork. You're, you're screaming because you're burning up and yet your flesh returns back to normal every few seconds. You can't die. You can't make it stop. It just goes on and on and on. For how long? Forever. Well, some people, that's where they draw the line with God. I can't serve a God like that. A God that would send anybody to a place like that? Listen, God never sent anybody to a place like that. You sent yourself. God makes it so easy, I can't believe it. What have you got to lose? Some some guy asked me, why should I why should I go with this Jesus? Why? I, says, I looked at him and I said, What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? But if I'm right and Jesus is real and God is real, you've got everything to lose, buddy. You better be sure that you're right. Amen talking about the shepherd. How many of you love the shepherd? Now, before I close, I want you to get this concept. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now look at verse 12. But he that is a hireling, listen, a hireling doesn't own anything on the sheep ranch. He's just somebody that was hired to help out. Everybody got that? Now, you're going to find in, in church services, a lot of times, see, I'm not a hireling. I'm the pastor of this church. I'm the shepherd of this church. There'll be people that will come in here, just like Satan did, and want to take over for me. That's happened many times. And, it, you know, I don't get angry, mean, or anything like that, but I'm not going to let somebody do that because they could destroy this church in 10 minutes. So, the hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. So, uh, see, that's the difference between a shepherd and a hireling. When a hireling sees a wolf, he says, goodbye, and he runs and leaves the sheep to be destroyed. The shepherd stays and gives his life. That's the difference. The hireling flees, verse 13, because he is a hireling and he doesn't care for the sheep. I, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, now this is a good, you got to get a hold of this. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. You know what's unusual about that scripture? A lot of scholars came up with this idea that these other sheep that Jesus had were people living on other planets. I can see right now that Lynn's not buying that. Now I didn't say it was true. I just tell, I'm just telling you what some people some people think. Don't don't throw nothing back here. Okay. Now it also uh, this is probably a little better meaning. It also could mean the Gentiles. In other words, you've got the Jewish uh, believers, Messianic believers, and then you've got the Gentile. What's a Gentile? Anybody who's not a Jew. We've got one Jew in here. Uh, Carol back there is uh, partially uh, Jewish. And keep in mind that Jewish, it's not just a religion, it's a race of people. Everybody following me? Okay? So, I probably will go with the Gentile idea, but I think that's interesting. You know, uh, how many of you saw on TV yesterday that the United States government 
has now put together a plan to try to get more information about these UFOs that have been flying around all over the world for decades. They finally admitted that there's something out there. You know, they tried to keep it a secret, wouldn't tell anybody anything, and now they've come out and said, yes, there's something out there. We don't know what it is, but we're going to try to find out. They've got a video of these vehicles in the air that can stop on a dime and go the other way just as fast as they did that way. They go up and down as fast, and, and our fastest jets can't even keep up with them. They've got that on video. And they're thinking, what is this? Thinking that too. I don't particularly believe that there are other people from other planets. Let me, let me tell you why. There could be, but let me tell you why I don't believe that. I believe that God created the universe if for no other reason so that when you went outside on a beautiful starry night, you could be awed by his creation. Are you, you get me? We live in a universe that is so large. There are galaxies. Now, we live in the Milky Way galaxies. It's longer than it is wide. But where it's wide, now listen to this, it's 80, I think it's 80,000 light years wide, which means if you started at one edge, and you got in a, a spaceship that could go that speed of light, it would take you 80,000 years to get to the other side of the Milky Way. Pretty big, huh? Our universe is 14 billion light years across. So if you were at one edge of the, of the universe and you wanted to get to the other side, You'd have to get in that same spaceship. Now, how, how, how fast is the speed of light? Light. It's 186,000 miles per second. That means in one second, you could go around the earth eight times in one second. 1,001, you just went eight times around the earth. And so going that fast at the edge of the universe, you took off and you'd have to go 14 billion years at that speed to get to the other side. It's pretty magnificent, isn't it? Your God is a great God. And just think, He loves you. Oh, and did I mention that right now while you're sitting here, this God that we're talking about is preparing a place for you. Jesus said, if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. That's what he told this doubting Thomas. It's a city called the New Jerusalem. It's 1,500 miles cubed, high, wide, and deep. It's so big, somebody calculated it. It's so big that you could put, I don't know, 15 or 16 billion people in this one city and everybody would have nice big yards. And maybe maybe some of your pets. How many of you believe that pets might be in heaven when you get there? You know why you believe that? Because you love them. I don't blame you. Except for cats. Leave me out of the cat. We're dog people. The other day we heard a noise and Liz went out and there was a cat in our, in our garden out in front. She did the right thing. She gave it some water. I said, don't give that cat any food. Why not? Because it'll be our cat after that. Remember, we have a deal. No cats. Well, that's what Jean's for. She, she's, she's, she's a cat lady. She, she loves cats. Look at verse 17. I'm going to close. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. 
No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. For many of them said, He has a devil. Now, what that word has been misinterpreted there, it should be demon. How many of you know there's only one devil? There's millions of demons, okay? He has a demon and is mad, so why hear you him? Others said, these are not the words of him that has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Pretty good point, huh? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Close your eyes. And just listen. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my God. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Lord, we love you. And we are here this morning with ears to hear. Everybody listen to me. If you need a word from God, nobody's looking, close your eyes. If you need a word from God about anything, I want you to lift your hand quickly. Let me see. You've got to have a word. Come on. Okay, put them down. Lord, you saw those hands. Father, we just listen. Now listen. Open your ears. One of the problems that you have is you don't wait very long to hear his voice. You've got to wait. I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm pretty busy. I ain't got time to wait. Well, then you're not going to get a word from the Lord. Now, in your mind there, I want you to say, Lord, this is the need that I have. Just tell him, Lord, I need this. I need you to speak to me about this. I need a word from you, a first-person word from your mouth to my heart. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Do you know that God gave you his best? He didn't just give you something mediocre, second, third best. He gave you the best. My God. He gave you the best. Now, I want everybody to say this after me. Lord Jesus, you know that I love you. How could I not? You gave me everything, and I love you. You also know, Lord, that I have sinned in my life. And if I'm honest, I'm still sinning. But Lord, I know that you give me perpetual forgiveness every day, every hour, every minute. You forgive me. I don't deserve it, but I receive it. Now, I want all of you to take a deep breath and blow out with your mouth. Thank you, Jesus. One more time. And then say this, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. I am clean. I am free. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You know, I love all of you. Now, let me say a couple of things. We have uh, some people that aren't back in church yet because they're kind of afraid of the virus. Don't Please don't judge people for having concern. Uh, if you were 75 years old and you had a heart condition, uh, you'd be concerned too. Um, pray, pray for the ones that haven't come back yet. Pray for their protection and their safety. And, uh, you know, the other last week, Russia came out and said, we have a, 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 a vaccine. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't take it through the third phase, uh, and Putin gave it to his own daughter. They just wanted to be first. Can, can you imagine how stupid that is to, to risk people's lives because you wanted to be first? Is that not politics? I think it is. <clears throat> Listen to me. America, truly, we have five or six vaccines that are almost ready to put on the market. They're going to be on the market before Christmas. And they're going to be proven, and they're going to work. Are you listening? And when that happens, you, I hope you'll all go down. There's people saying, I don't like vaccines. I don't. Look, go get your shot, and we will eliminate this COVID-19 in a single week. Okay? So... I want all of you to be healthy, and I want all of you to hear the voice of the Lord. And here's the last thing. Jesus is coming. Do you not feel his presence? Can't you hear almost the thundering hooves of those white stallions? You know, he comes in the rapture, no horses. He's just up on a cloud, and he receives the dead in Christ, and then we which are alive and remain. But then in the second coming, he comes on a white stallion. And guess what? You're going to be riding a white stallion with him. If you don't know how to ride, don't worry. You'll get uh, riding lessons in heaven, Pam. <laughs> All right, you're dismissed. God bless you. Have a great day today, okay? Charles, would you go up and tell them we're through? God bless you. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.